We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today, as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. What's going on, man? What's good, bro? Just had some pancakes ready to go. Let's go. A little pancake. We're recording this on a on a Monday morning here. We decided to give our guy a part of the three-man weave, Adam Taylor, the day off. Uh, we were debating between recording yesterday or this morning, but happy Father's Day to our guy, Adam. So we gave him the day off for this podcast. So it's just me and Greg. So this is a Monday morning flapjack special. Woo, mm-hmm. Monday morning on, on some flapjacks here. It's, I mean, it's pretty early. Get up, make some make some pancakes here on a Monday. I had a great morning. Uh, my my meeting at seven a.m. didn't show, right? So I didn't have to deal with an kind of love that. Kind of. Oh, this yeah. is the side note. This is if you're in sales, you'll understand this. There's certain meetings that you set that you feel responsible to show up for, even though mm-hmm. you feel like you have maybe a ninety five percent confidence rate that the other person is in no chance showing up. But yeah. It allows you to get your day going because you feel like I've got to be here. So now I think this is what's leading to the Flapjack Monday. Exactly. And so I, I show up at 7 a.m. I sent an email last night just confirming the 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 meeting didn't get a response. So I was like, all right, pretty not never pretty, a good time. Pretty good feeling that this person is not showing up to the meeting. Show up to the meeting. I'm on there for 15 minutes. They don't show. So I'm able to go to the park with my dogs, have them run around a little bit, come back. And I got 45 minutes until the pod. And pretty much the only thing that I have in my house right now for food is pancake mix because we need to go grocery shopping today. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fire up some flapjacks. And it was a great decision. Made it on the griddle. Um, Normally, Danielle's the one that's going to make breakfast. uh, Mm -hmm. If we're going to do pancakes or something like that, I'm normally more of the bacon guy. But I I whipped together, uh, whisked the, the, the batter together, threw it on the griddle, three pancakes later, feeling good, feeling great. Did you, uh, were these just, you know, plain pancakes? Did you get a little bit creative? Did you toss, did you, you mean, you said you're the bacon guy. Did you toss a little bacon in the mix? Did you get a little chocolate chips, little bananas, anything, anything like that? Or we just keep it plain Jane today? It, I probably would have thrown something in there, but as I said, we literally don't have any. <laughs> that's true. Here. That's true. That, that is not a great job of active listening by the host here <laughs> that, uh, that we have nothing in the house, which is why we're doing pancakes this morning. So, uh, either way, I'm a little jealous. I'm gonna be honest. I gotta, I gotta put together some breakfast here. I'm gonna go play some golf after we record this. So I gotta, I gotta go grab something to eat before that. But while we're here, why don't, why don't we just talk a little bit of basketball, Greg? Why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA? And, you know, we talked a lot on our last podcast about the potential of Brad Beal being moved as he was in talks with his agents, the Wizards, and trying to find a landing spot. You know, ultimately, myself, you and Adam landed on, mm, we don't really want to do this deal for the Celtics. However, you and I got together yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, before the deal went official, which we'll talk about here in just a second, what some of the rumored packages were. And I know it changed your mind a little bit, so we'll, we'll get there in a second. But Bradley Beal heading to the Phoenix Suns in a package that is not finalized because they may expand it to three teams. But for right now, he is heading to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, 
I think about five second round picks and a couple of pick swaps, which, you know, they're so far down the line, who knows what happens with those, but potentially the Wizards are getting zero first round picks and Chris Paul is likely to never wear a Wizards uniform, whether that's they expand this, it goes to a third team or they complete it wave him, save some money, or just send him elsewhere. Uh, it seems very unlikely he'll play for the Wizards. So back to the point that we were talking about here, Greg, let's start from a Celtics perspective. Then we'll get into you know the Suns, the Wizards, all this. Knowing what we know now, and knowing that the other offer, that the Heat, who were the other finalists in this, and that their package was something along the lines of Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and a couple of picks, which might have at least been first-round picks, but once again, Bradley Beal, no trade clause, very big part of this, where he can dictate where he wants to go, knowing that these were the packages that were floating around, and we have his best friend, Jason Tatum, on the Celtics. Do you think the Celtics should have gotten more involved with this new information? I, I do, uh, straight up. Like we had, the, we had the contracts to send him out and, and get Brad Beal back for, for not much. Like if, if everyone wants to move Brogdon already, Right. That's that's what everyone's talking about this offseason is we probably need to move on from Malcolm Brogdon. We can get into that conversation later. Like Brogdon, Horford, and Gallinari's contracts get you close to to getting Brad Beal on the Celtics. And you know, Horford, we saw at the end of the season last year, was great, but he was he needed to be utilized less. And it seems like Al Horford kind of needs to be transitioned into a bench role. So there there was a package that you could put together to get Brad Beal on the team. You try it out for a year, see what works. You have the Jalen Brown extension, you extend Jalen Brown, and then you can't trade Jalen for an entire year. So like maybe at the end of season one, you make a decision like, okay, the Brad Beal thing didn't work. Jalen was clearly better. Maybe we want Jalen to stick around. Maybe we move Brad Beal or Brad Beal and Tatum work really well together. Maybe you move Jalen Brown. But there was a world in which the Celtics could have got Bradley Beal for pennies. And we didn't even make make an offer which i mean who me, knows i mean yeah, maybe I mean, yeah. but yeah but it's i think not it would it, it would have it would have come out if the celtics made an offer most likely most likely it, it probably would have you're you're probably right on that but i always like to leave just in case because we don't know all of these things obviously but you know i mean I, I still think for me i'm i'm glad the celtics didn't get involved from a value perspective it's really hard to not say hey that that would have made a little sense you just laid out the case you know you're bringing in brad beal who's a three-time all-star i think two years ago averaged 30 points per game you know like that that's really valuable and then you add in the jason tatum aspect of it of course there's there's going to be value there so from a value perspective if it could have been you know something along the lines of the trade package that that you mentioned maybe you know a couple second round picks or or whatever little salary filler was needed a scholar or whatever to to get that over the hump yeah in a vacuum i think that makes sense but i think for me i still would have come back to the contract would have been too prohibitive to just just say we can figure it out later because one thing that's big that you and i talked about yesterday while we were shooting around and was confirmed an article by keith smith on uh, on spot track that no trade clause comes with it does not it does it does not end because he waived it this one time it carries with his contract so to your point if we can kind of figure it out later there's not really a figuring it out with bradley beal because once he's with jason tatum i can't imagine jt is gonna say yeah no, let's go and trade my best friend and my mentor you know mm -hmm. so then at that point it is jalen brown which still might be the case anyways but you're for me the roster flexibility is so hindered by this and that's where i think I look at the Suns, and yeah, I, once again, I think they're in the same position that I said I feel like the Celtics would have been in if they traded for Bradley Beal. Really high floor. I still think the ceiling's a little shaky, especially when you look at, you know, over the last couple years, Kevin Durant's constantly injured. Devin Booker's been been injured as well a few times, especially last season. And Bradley Beal's played 40, 50, and 60 games over the last three years. You know, it's not exactly like he's an Iron Man. Like, that's one thing that you can say about the Jays when you look at them is mm -hmm. they're available, you know, more often yeah. than not, specifically Tatum and, and, and Brown for the most part is available. And so when I look at that roster and you add in De DeAndre Ayton's contracts, they have really basically like four max contracts that are out there. Yes, in a world where they all stay healthy, the Suns are going to be probably pretty good, but they're one, you know, they have such little room for error, specifically health wise, which is something that's so out of your control that for me, I don't like the aspect of that. And I think if the Celtics were to make a move like this, I think their depth taking a hit and their ability to maneuver would have been something I would have been against anyway. So I, I'm cool with the Celtics 
sitting this out, despite the fact the value proposition was certainly there. Yeah, a lot of meat on that bone. Uh, I think the DeAndre Ayton conversation is is a good one to have because I don't think DeAndre Ayton is long for the Phoenix Suns. I think they move on to DeAndre yeah. Ayton. So I would imagine them to try and move Ayton for two or three pieces uh, to kind of build out that roster a little bit. Because although Ayton does theoretically fit, like they need a big man, right? They need a big man there. They probably could get a big man on the cheap and because like you, you don't need DeAndre Ayton to score the basketball when you have Booker, Beal, yeah. and Durant, right? Um, so I would imagine they move Ayton for pieces. I haven't done like a deep dive as to what they could get, what teams out there might be interested in Ayton. Maybe it's the Pacers who are rumored to have interest in him last year. We talked about the Pacers on the last pod. Another thing to think about with the Suns is they're in a little bit of a different situation than the Celtics, right? They're they're basically at the uh, roulette table and they put everything on thirty five. Right. Yeah. All their money is on 35. They lose and then they go to the ATM machine and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to double down. And that, that's what they ended up doing. And now they're putting their money on Bradley. Greg, this, this sounds like a night you and I have had together in <laughs> Vegas before or this is, this is, it just sounds way almost way too familiar. Yeah. When like your initial $20 bet, now you're betting like 1500 just to win your 20 back. Yeah, yeah that's happened before for sure. And um, I, I just think like that the Celtics were in a different position, right? They didn't have to push all their chips in. The Suns kind of did. They have Kevin Durant. You probably got two more years of Pete Kevin Durant, maybe one more year of Pete Kevin Durant. And like you have to kind of assume that there's going to be a little bit of a decline in Kevin Durant's game. Devin Booker is probably not enough to make up for whatever Durant is losing percentage-wise year by year. But then you add Bradley Beal, who can take a lot of the scoring load off of Booker and off of off of Durant. I think Beal also is a better playmaker than people give him credit for. That's um, we'll see. We'll see how that fit works out. And then the last thing to consider is that the Suns now are basically in a very similar tax situation to what the Celtics would have been if we got Bradley Beal, right? And it's going to be very prohibitive, especially with DeAndre Ayton's contract. If they don't move off of that, it, they're already I think they're already at like 160. So, so real quick, so this is where they're at right now, and this is th- like it's it's the definition of an all-in move. So the super tax apron is going to be somewhere around 179. Mm-hmm. With the four players we've mentioned, the only other player they have definitively under contract is campaign at around $7 million. That's basically your starting lineup, at least as of right now, campaign mm-hmm. plus those four other guys. That brings them to about $169 million. So they've got about nine to ten roster spots to fill out with $10 million. Now, they have some other guys that they can, you know, re-sign and, and go above the tax and, you know, not just rely on 10 minimum guys, but they're going to be hit with those, you know. So it, the the new CBA, that starts this summer? It start, So that's why part of why this trade went down now versus I think it starts June 30th. So, okay. it, so I thought it, it started next June. No. Well, here's the thing. So this is where it gets a little bit tricky. So it starts June 30th. And I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look up an article here on the fly to, to figure out. But it's like basically over the next three years, parts of it start to come. Gotcha. So okay. this year and this is where, um, you know, I saw Keith Smith to mention him again that, that had a, a tweet earlier that he was saying that a lot of there's gonna be a lot of GMs talking about there's going to be a lot of moves this year because this is setting yourself because the harshest penalties don't start until I believe two years from now. Okay. So it will start to wean itself in as far as, you know, what the penalties are. So this is going to be a year of kind of resetting of deciding how you're going to approach it. And this was kind of the point that I made on one of on, on our last show is for the Celtics. And, and you talked about it right now, why the Celtics didn't have to make this Bradley Beal move. And I think the position the Celtics are in and why I'm not worried about giving Jalen Brown, the super max and figuring it out, with with the roster that we have and maneuvering you know maybe moving one of the guards or whatever it is is because we're going to see a lot of teams make some mistakes we're going to see a lot of teams that are that are going to have to be because they're in a position right now where they have to anticipate how they think the market's going to react whether that's from trades or free agent signings and the Celtics are going to have a little bit of a luxury to sit back and see ooh we don't want to follow that path. We don't want to make this mistake. Or, man, they got to steal with that. That's a model that we need to follow. And maybe that's, you know, whether whether it's a trade or a signing, you know, the sellers are going to have, you know, some of the advantage, I think, because their roster is already in a position where they're going to be near the super tax. But any team that's contending is going to be near the mm-hmm. super tax. Yeah. So th- they're going to be in a good spot, in my opinion. 
Yeah, when you say that they're already at 169 million, they being the Suns, that just makes me think Aiton's definitely going to be moved because I don't think you can have that more likely tied up in. Because like, how are they going to build up the rest of that roster with with nine million dollars? Yeah, it it's, just it's minimums and then re-signing, you know, the the Terrence Rosses and the Josh Kogies for a little bit more and and just and just eating that super tax burden at least for the next couple of years. But you know, new owner syndrome. That's that's where they're going with. Celtics don't quite have that problem, but the Celtics did have a couple of guys that were in some trade rumors. So let's take a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Greg. So we, you kind of touched on this earlier. You mentioned Malcolm Brogdon as being kind of the hot name thrown around a little bit as to who the Celtics might move on from. There's been reports that, you know, the Celtics are actively shopping, uh, moving, you know, trying trying to get different types of depth by moving one of the three guards or one of the four guards. Let's throw Peyton Pritchard in here as well, including Derek White, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, although it seems like Derek White is the, has been also reported as the least likely of those mm-hmm. to move. And then you and I talked about that. We're certainly on board with Derek White, at least for this offseason, feeling you know pretty untouchable. So with Malcolm Brogdon, there was a report that the Suns had some interest. And you know, I don't know that the Celtics would be interested in DeAndre Ayton, but let's just go there, go there for a minute here, just because you know we were just talking about him in the last segment here. And so, if you were to once again pile together Malcolm Brogdon plus Al, I mean, that basically that that that's the deal right there. Or mm-hmm. you could go the Gallo, Muscala, Peyton Pritchard, you know, some some combination of that. But you know, with Aiton's contract right around that 33 to 35 million. Like it's it's relatively easy to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, do you see Brogdon being somebody? I mean, do you think Brogdon's gonna get moved this offseason? Let's start there and then we can start talking about maybe targets. I do. I do. I think some of Brogdon's comments towards the end of the year kind of implied that he didn't enjoy 100% his time in Boston this year. Um, and he didn't really like playing for Joe, seemingly. That's what it seemed like. So, like, maybe that relationship is already a little bit frayed. If you're going to keep your core together, Brogdon's to get kind of the outsider looking in. So you might as well move off of him, right? And he, you also got the most healthy Malcolm Brogdon you can ever get this year. Um, obviously, he got hurt in the playoffs, but 
throughout the regular season, he was as reliable as you can expect from Malcolm Brogdon. So yeah, I would, I would fully expect Brogdon to be moved. I just don't know that the Suns, now that they have Beal are the team that would get, that would want him. I could see them really, really being in on Marcus Smart, right? Marcus Smart with that team makes a lot of sense because they don't have any point of attack defenders on that squad right now. A Kogi, maybe, but he's not going to guard a point guard, right? Marcus Smart is definitely, if I'm the Suns, I'm targeting somebody like Smart. Maybe um, Peyton Pritchard, as you said, I know there's already been some rumored interest there. Pritchard, as you know, I think he's a much better defender than he's given credit for, especially as a screen navigator and point of attack defender. So um, Horford makes a lot of sense for them, for sure. They need people. So let's that they- hold on. Let's let's talk this out real quick. Okay. So if you're the Suns, let's say you're trying you're trying to get you know a two for one, three for one with DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton. From a Celtics perspective, if they if they if they called and they said, "Hey, we want Marcus Smart." Al Horford, you know, I, I haven't done the exact math. It gets you close. You know, if it's Horford, smart for DeAndre Ayton. That's the bulk of the deal. We can throw in second rounders or, you know, whatever we need to, J.D. Davison's or, or whatever to make this work. But that's the bulk of the deal. How do you feel about that from Celtics' perspective? That's tough, man. Um, I don't love Ayton. That that's the yeah. issue. I think Rob Williams, if if he was healthier and you could rely on him, I think in a vacuum he's a more impactful defender than um, than Aiton is just as an all around player. So I think if you're if you're an Aiton guy, that's you're like, oh, absolutely, I'm doing that. You're like selling high on Marcus Smart. You're selling high on Al Horford. You don't know how much longer uh, Horford's going to be able to play at the level that he played at. And then Smart, you saw a lot of decline in his game this year, although he was awesome in the playoffs. Anybody that's still talking about Marcus Smart not being like a playoff player, he had a couple bad games for the most part. He was the third best player, maybe second best player for the Celtics in the playoffs. And it's it's kind of not even a debate. So. Um, I would probably say no if if it's smart, but if it's Brogdon or if it's Horford, Pritchard, and Gallo, something like mm-hmm. that, if that gets you to Aiton, then I'd probably do it. Um, but Horford and Smart, I think that's a little bit too much to give up because that's such a significant part of the Celtics core. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting I, I'm with you. I think if it's Brogdon, it's a game changer because then yeah. that would be a, a, a pretty easy sell as to I mean, listen. DeAndre Ayton's 24 years old. He was a number one pick just a handful of years ago. I think if you had asked this question, you know, after that, after the Suns made their their finals run, where, yeah, Giannis put up some beast numbers, but DeAndre, you know, for what you can do against a guy like Giannis, like, DeAndre didn't do horrible. You know what I mean? Despite the numbers. This is one of those, like, Andre Iguodala slowing down LeBron James in the NBA Finals when he still puts up, you know, 30, mm-hmm. 10, 10. But there was a world in which, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, it looks like DeAndre Ayton's in, in a much more favorable standing than where he's at right now. And so that's what would make this pill really hard to swallow. I think I'm with you. The smart Horford combo of this, because I'm, I'm not opposed to shaking up the core, because it feels like, to a certain degree, something's got to give, right? Mm-hmm. Something has to change. It, it feels like obviously great steps with adding to the assistant coaching staff that was was so barren that really came to fruition, you know, obviously in the postseason. But this core has just been together and we've seen so many of the same issues that it does feel like there needs to be a tweak, but is Smart and Horford too much of a tweak, you know? And, and that's where I think it comes down to, like you said, how much do you believe in DeAndre Ayton? Because I think the fact that you could even get him for this package, like I said, didn't seem like that would probably be on the table a year and a half, two years ago. And now you could get him potentially for a Brogdon Horford or a smart Horford combo. You know, Al's 36 years old, 37 years old, whatever he is like that's, but for the Suns, there's a lot of appeal and just, Hey, we need to, we have two more bodies that we can throw into our rotation and, you know, give us a chance that if we have an injury, we're not just completely depleted. We still have an NBA level team that we can put out there. So I think it's an interesting conversation. You know, it'll be interesting to see if they float Deandre and what his value is. I think I ultimately land with you that if it's Brogdon and Horford, I would say yes, smart and Horford probably you know a little bit too rich for my taste but with DeAndre Ayton that does give you some you know more stability in that front court with the age of him and Rob and then potentially you know losing Grant Williams which I think is the the next area we should go to here because Grant's just in the news man people want Grant mm-hmm. and I know for me it's starting to feel you know I've been feeling this for the last couple of weeks or even during the playoffs especially when he wasn't playing a lot 
that this is probably the end of Grant Williams in Boston. Of course, not definitive. He's a restricted free agent. The Celtics can match, but uh, recent reports have had him linked to the Pacers, who we talked about in the last podcast, the Magic, as well as the Mavericks, and potentially the Celtics working on some sign and trade deals that go along with that. So, Greg, for me, and this is going to lead into also the other part that we want to talk about is each episode we're trying to pick a guy or two across the league who maybe is a good fit for the Celtics, maybe is somebody they should target. And with the sign-in trade, you know, I look at these three specific teams, and the Magic and the Pacers both have cap space, so they're really kind of just doing us a favor if they want to do a sign-in trade. Maybe it's a second-round pick as a show of you know good faith, like, hey, remember this, maybe down the road we can make something work. Or, you know, I've, I've seen Bobby Manning talk about bringing Daniel Tice back. I'm not really into that idea. We've seen the Tice show. I don't really need to see it for a third time. I think after two screenings, I'm good. Yeah. Like that, I'm okay. that, that movie's played out. So, but to the point of they may want to get off that contract when they bring in Grant, mm-hmm. that's the type of asset I think you're going to get back. That leaves Dallas. Dallas is likely, I think, going to pay Kyrie, whether that's a good idea or not. That's for another show to discuss. I don't really want to fucking deal with that. So, whether or not they, it's a good idea, they'll probably do it. And then that leaves them probably a little bit more strapped for cash. So, there's probably a little bit more maneuverability. And so if there is a sign and trade, I got two guys I want to throw at you, Greg, just to get okay. your thoughts uh, of who the Celtics could potentially get back. And this, once again, this is kind of similar to DeAndre Ayton. Buy low on guys that are that have shown the capability to be better than what they've been recently. So the two guys that I'm looking at on the Mavericks roster, Reggie Bullock and Maxi Kleber. Your thoughts? Love Maxi Kleber. I've always been a big Maxi Kleber guy. If you're the Mavs, I think that makes sense because Kleber and Grant have similar skill sets. They both can shoot the three. Uh, Kleber's a much better defender than I think the average NBA consumer would would imagine. He's he's actually pretty mm-hmm. good on defense. Um, Grant's 24, 25, whatever Grant is. Kleber's 31, right? So you're just trading in an older model for a newer model. And if you're the Celtics, you're looking at Kleber's contract and he's 11 million per year through 25, 26. And that's a really good contract if you have Maxi Kleber through the end of his prime um, through 25, 26 at $11 million a year. The only thing with Kleber is he's, he's always hurt. So that that's the thing to consider for the Celtics. Reggie Bullock, uh, I think he had, what does he have, like a player option or a team option this year? I believe so, yeah. Um, or like the, um, no, it says the amount not fully guaranteed. So he's on a not guaranteed deal this year. Um, so I'd probably be out on Bullock. I've never really been a big Reggie Bullock guy. I think he's super overrated both as a defender and as a shooter. So I, I wouldn't want Reggie Bullock, but if you can get Kleber locked in grant for Kleber, I think works. I don't know what grants number is going to be. I would imagine he's going to make more than 11 million. So if you need to throw in another guy, like, well, this might not not need to be exact is the point because of the sign and trade aspect of it. So this might be just to, and I don't know, I haven't looked at Dallas's cap sheet, but if they Mm -hmm. have enough room to absorb it in that four to $5 million difference, you know, is, is what they need to make up. It may just need to be, you know, Kleber straight up. You know, one thing I will say about Maxi Kleber, and this is, you know, I'm with you. I do. You think of him as this, you know, kind of knockdown shooter. He's been pretty bad from the three point line over the last two years. Part of that potentially injury. I do think the part that you made the, the point that you made, excuse me about his defense. That is something that a lot of people will just not think of but when the, you think about the Mavericks making that Western Conference run basically at the same time the Celtics were turning it around two years ago and their run to the finals you know those were the two teams that was guarding was like, Kawhi that's what I'm saying Maxi Lieber was was fan he was a huge part of that defensive turnaround along with Dorian Finney-Smith Reggie Bullock was part of it as well you know those were guys that that really stepped up to turn a team that on paper you wouldn't look at and go man I bet you these guys are one of the top five defenses in the league mm-hmm. and you know Maxi being healthy was a big part of that and, you know, but his three-point shooting, you know, it was 41% in 2020, 2021, 37% the year before. The last two years, which have been injury-riddled, down to 32 and 34% respect, respectively. So it has been a little bit of a mixed bag. So this is my point of kind of buying low on a guy that maybe they want to move who has several years left on his contract. Uh, and then for Reggie Bullock, I'm actually probably a little higher on Reggie Bullock than, than you are. I do kind of like that. I do think... The Jays could use a three and D type backup, you know, as a as a guy to just spell some minutes, um, you know, just with guarding maybe some of the other you know wing players that the Jays are going to be asked to guard. So I do think there's value in a guy like like that. And he's been, you know, he's been, it's really weird. I was looking at his three point shooting numbers. He's got some years where he's, you know, he's had 
three different years where he's over 40 percent he's also got a bunch of years where he's in the mid to low 30s mm-hmm. so it's it's a little bit of a crap bag of just i don't know what, what reggie bullock we're gonna get but you would like to think him playing off of the Jays, maybe he gets some more spacing. Um, I mean, then again, he's playing with Lucas, so he should be getting some good shots, but helocentric, it's a little bit difficult to kind of figure out how those, how and when those shots are coming. But I think either of those options, if I'm being honest, if you're going to lose Grant, I think those are two options that at least give you back value where you can start to replace the Grant Williams minutes, you know, combine that with Danilo Gallinari coming back. I think you start to be able to say, okay, it sucks that we lost Grant. We like Grant on this show. Not everybody does. We do on this show. I would love to keep Grant, but if we're going to lose him, this is part of that process of piecing it together with other parts of depth that we can still use to, you know, to fill the void of what Grant Williams is leaving behind. Yeah, and the other guy on that roster, I just want to throw out Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, I, I like him. I think his skill set fits better on the Celtics roster than a Bullock. Um, I think Kleber would be my preferred piece to come back but tim hardaway jr is like one of the classic shooting guards that's still oh, left i've in got the so, i've always had a soft spot for tim hardaway jr i think I, I just don't think the mavericks would would willingly give him up for a sign and trade you know what i mean i, I think he has a lot of value for them because sometimes he's been their second best player you know i mean with with Kyrie there that won't necessarily be the case but then that probably puts him to more of a position of where he should be yeah. uh, but actually that, that does i haven't listened to the to the most recent bill simmons podcast but i have seen this floating around on social media where he presented a trade of marcus smart for tim hardaway jr in the number 10 pick I feel like that's probably, I mean, if I'm the Celtics, I think I would probably do that. I think that's probably a little too rich for Dallas because even if you're not sure about the number 10 pick, like we always say we know this is a weak draft. This is a strong Mm -hmm. draft class. In reality, we don't know shit. We have no idea what's going to happen with that number 10 pick, whether that's going to turn into, you know, Kawhi was number 15. Giannis was number 15. You know, Devin Booker was was 10 and beyond. Paul Pierce was number 10. Like there's there's plenty of, of scenarios in which the number 10 pick is really valuable, despite what you may think of the draft in the moment. So I think that's probably a trade that's too rich for for the Mavericks, but interested on on your thoughts because this is well, going around Twitter. The Mavs have been enamored smart for a while there's he's a dallas smart has always kind of been yeah he's a dallas kid he's always been rumored um there was that jalen brunson marcus smart rumor a few years back before brunson really popped um looking back it's like damn wish something's right. done that that's like, a, shit. yeah that that's man that was there that was there <laughs> um so smart to dallas yeah i, I could see that happening Man, it's a, it's like whenever I hear we're gonna trade Marcus Smart, I'm like, yeah, it's like I'm I'm okay with it. And then I really think about like, do I want Tim Hardaway Jr. over Marcus Smart? Obviously, the number ten pick would be in that deal. Yeah. Um, but I'd rather have Marcus Smart than Tim Hardaway Jr. I yeah, yeah. That's straight up. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's, that's a pretty easy call. So the number ten pick that changes the dynamic of it. Yeah, and then you, if you're the Celtics, you probably attach that to something and try and get a bigger piece back right the number 10 pick i mean either that or you know we talk about the cba now kicking in like if you hit on that number 10 pick you're cost controlled with a pretty big asset you know for the next at least four years until you have to Mm -hmm. worry about that so i mean i think there's a lot of appeal in just getting that pick keeping it and trusting that you're gonna you're gonna hit on that so i don't know i mean i think that's a it's a fun conversation i don't think the mavericks would do that deal with the number 10 pick and the Celtics aren't doing it straight up but let's take a quick break greg i want to get a player from you and then we'll uh, we'll hit a vibe check before we get out of here all right greg give me a player that you think the celtics could target should target or interest you well kind of continuing off of that grant sign and trade we didn't talk about the orlando magic at all uh just kind of looking at their roster uh fultz 17 million be an interesting guy um wendell carter jr only at 13 million so if grant's getting more i just don't see the magic trading wendell carter jr i think he makes a lot more and and the key is they have some space here with you know to be able to sign grant so Mm -hmm. i don't think they're going to dig into any anyone that they value even a little bit i'm not sure that they're gonna they're gonna feel the need to move on from well i mean they have the space but the celtics can always match right so if true if the, Celtics, if the Celtics like we're just going to match that, then they would rather work out a sign and trade. Um, let's see. Gary Harris is someone that has always been kind of floated around as a possibility, but he's only got one year left at 13 million. I feel like and, Gary Harris belongs in that like John Collins, Miles Turner mode of just like, oh, you need to you need to complete a trade. Have you guys talked to Orlando about Gary Harris? And he never gets moved, <laughs> but I feel like he's always on the cusp of, of going somewhere. 
And then I, I mentioned Fultz, another guy that you could buy low on would be Jalen Suggs. You know, Jalen Suggs through uh, 24-25. So if they're more Fultz guys than Suggs guys and they like what Cole Anthony's bringing to the table, maybe they're like, you know what, let's get Grant Williams for Suggs call it a day. Like, he he didn't work out as a prospect for us. And you know me, I've always been a big Jalen Suggs yeah. guy. So I would like to take a look at him. And then that probably he's like a younger Marcus Smart that probably gives you an opportunity to move off of Smart in a separate deal. Um, so I think those are some names just to throw out there. Any of them, when you hear them that you're like, yeah, that, that would be my first choice. I mean, a lot of those are appealing. I just, I, I have a hard time because I, because I think the magic have set their team up so well. I really love what the magic are doing right now with their roster that I just have a hard time feeling like they're going to move on from a lot of those guys for as much as they might like Grant. I don't know if Grant moves the needle enough that even if the Celtics were to match the big listen, like. Go ahead and match. We're gonna we're gonna give them seventeen million. You guys really want to give them seventeen million, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the Celtics gotta say they, they gotta figure out how how real their bluff is. That all right, we're gonna match. So give us something, mm-hmm. and you know, then it becomes you know it's a game of poker at that point as to you know who's gonna fold first. So I mean, when you mention some of those guys, I'm trying to think of you know which ones, at least in my opinion, could be you know realistic fits. Here's a guy that I actually don't really know enough about, but is once again I think a buy low candidate that potentially the the magic might want to move off a guy like Chumo Kiki. You know, he's a he's a swing, you know, he's someone that once again I think if you bring him in, he's on he's, you know he's only got one year left on his rookie deal. So that's someone that you say, "All right, maybe he just needed a different spot, different opportunity." You know, I mean, out of the guys you mentioned, I think Jalen Suggs would be great. I think Jalen Suggs would be would fit kind of where this team wants to go as far as getting back to that defensive mentality. And, you know, Jalen Suggs had a couple of games last year because you and I got kind of enamored, especially early on in the season with watching Magic on League Pass. It was, mm-hmm. you know, the Ouija board was just telling me, watch the Magic, <laughs> watch the Magic. You'll get that if you're if you're a long-time listener here. But, uh, but you know, Jalen Suggs had a couple of moments where he closed games. He just clo- straight up closed games out on the on the offensive side of the ball. And so, you know, we all think back to Jalen Suggs' time at Gonzaga, that Final Four run, that shot he hit uh, against, I believe, I think it was UCLA in the Final Four. And, you know, he's just a big-time player. And it's been, like you said, it's been a little bit up and down. So I think if that was a guy, if they were like, you know what, we think we're going to move off this. They have two picks inside the top 12. They get 6-11 and this year. Maybe they have another target they want to bring in at the, you know, at the guard position. Uh, Cole Anthony is another interesting name just because I don't know where they see him fitting in. They're a little bit like Celtics. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about this, Celtics, the Magic really are kind of Celtics junior, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, you've got the two wings. You've got Franz and Paolo. You've got the Jays. You've got kind of a, you know, a backcourt that's filling up when you look at Suggs, you look at Anthony, you look at Markel Fultz. I've always thought Wendell Carter Jr. is a little bit of, you know, Al Horford light to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Like there's a lot of similarities now that we're just looking at these rosters, at least to me, that I see between the Magic and the Celtics, which I think the Magic are one of the next up and coming teams in the East. Yeah. Um I don't really know where to go from that, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I, I mean, it was something I wasn't planning on saying. I was just looking at this roster and I was like, you know, Jalen Suggs, Marcus Smart. You're right. There is, you know, there is something to that. You look at, they have three or four guards trying to figure out what is the right fit. They got their two wings that mm-hmm. they feel established. But so I, I guess to, to get this back on track a little bit, you know, I, I think if Grant ends up going to the magic, number one, I like that fit for the magic with them picking up, up Grant Williams. It's tough to see what the Celtics are gonna gonna be able to pull off from the Magic. So I think this would be great for Grant. I don't think this would be a great destination for the Celtics to get something back. This is my final thought on it. I would be really interested to see Fultz in Boston. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. You know, him and him and Tatum after being the the two guys that were traded for each other. Um, I think that'd be a really fun team to watch. Especially, I think Fultz is more of a classic point guard than exists in today's league. Mm-hmm. I think he came in with the reputation for being more of like a combo guard. But since his shot has left him to some degree, he's really focused on his defense and his playmaking. So I'd like to see Mark L. Foles in Boston. I think that'd be interesting. And if it was for Grant, yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, same thing with Jalen Suggs. If, if we're if we're getting a real asset back for Grant, who is just going to leave, um, or we're going to have to match like a, a $17 million a year contract, like you said, Yeah. Wh- whatever we can get back, I think the Celtics need to take because... Um, Grant's going to be a tough piece to lose. So mm-hmm. whatever impact player we can get back, I'm down. 
Yeah, so we'll find out more on that here as we're leading up to it. Just to kind of set a timeline here, the NBA draft this Thursday, the 22nd. Uh, we'll bring Adam in. We'll do a little bit more coverage of the Celtics and their 35th pick uh, coming up on our podcast later this week. And then I think the Celtics need to extend a qualifying offer to Grant Williams uh, by the 28th, I believe is that date. Then that will flip over to the new calendar year on the 30th. We'll have free agency, which starts the first. And then officially, I believe a few days later, you'll be able to start signing guys. So we'll see a lot of movement a lot of rumors it's silly season we'll see a lot of that coming out in the next couple of days so we'll talk more about that here later in the week uh but for this episode let's cue up a vibe check all right vibe check time greg you already gave us flapjack monday I'm, I'm gonna let you take the floor here i don't know if you want to keep going down that road or if you've got something else up your sleeve that was one of three options that I had written down. So I, I was, I was going to tell you, I was going to, I can give you a food option. I can give you a game option, or I can give you um, just like a general annoyance in life option. Let's go general annoyance in life. Okay. This one, you know, it's summertime here in Austin, Texas. It's been unseasonably warm and humid. And humid with is that, the emphasis too on that. Yeah. It's like over a hundred degrees threatening to rain every day. You walk outside, you feel like you're walking into soup. And with that, and I love soup, by the way, but soup is, as, <laughs> but you as don't want to wear soup. You don't want to wear, <laughs> I soup. don't want to wear soup. Love eating soup, not wearing soup. Yeah. And I also don't like cold soups, uh, but not a gazpacho guy. Okay. Not a, not a gazpacho guy, but I do like cereal, which is basically breakfast soup. Mosquitoes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mosquitoes. I fucking hate mosquitoes, bro. And right now we have like because there, there's like a little bit of a marshland kind of behind my house. We have so many mosquitoes in my yard and it's driving me fucking nuts because I haven't been going out in my yard because it's very, as I said, very muggy, very humid, but they're getting into the house whenever I open the door. So every single time I'm just like hanging out in my house, inevitably I'm like, fuck, I just got bit. And it's normally on my face or on my cheek or on my neck. It's a really frustrating spot to get bit. And I have always really had um, an ad adversarial relationship with mosquitoes. They like my blood for whatever reason it is. I can remember back in high school uh, attending, I think it was Lily Panna, shout out Lily Panna, um, her graduation party. And there were just mosquitoes everywhere. And I literally spent the entire time not hanging out with people, but just trying to kill mosquitoes. And I was like going around. I must have looked like a fucking nutcase just going around the party, just like trying to kill mosquitoes off of other people and stuff. Um, and I was completely sober. I just don't like mosquitoes. But there's too many mosquitoes right now. Danielle has gone out and got these things called mosquito dunks, which apparently are, I don't know what they are, but there's some sort of chemical you put in water and it mm -hmm. attracts the mosquitoes and it kills the larvae and kills the adults. So I'm hoping that in about a week or two, the mosquito problem is gone in my yard. But right now, not vibing with mosquitoes. Don't like them. Want them all dead. I'm curious to know who's who would like to be on the other side of that argument. Man, you don't like mosquitoes? I love mosquitoes. I would love to know who would Bats. oppose. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess. I'm talking about from a human perspective, I guess. But but no, I'm with you. I, I have the same issue in my backyard right now. It's anytime, I mean, it's getting so hot and humid that I don't really want to sit in my backyard anyways. But this has been a problem for the last month, month and a half, maybe, even when it still wasn't quite you know hitting the mid-90 temperatures that we deal with down here in Austin, Texas. And it was like, oh, I'm going to sit outside for a little bit. I'm going to you know have my coffee or maybe I'll bring my laptop, do a little bit of work. And no matter the spray, like within five minutes, like I gotta get out of here. I'm just getting eaten alive. And you know, my girlfriend, Lorena, she gets, when she gets bit, she definitely has some type of allergic. She gets you know, the welts. But she gets the welts. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's like instantaneous. Like she'll be like, I felt it on my on my shin. And within five minutes, she'll be like, Will, come look at this. And it's, you know, it's it's the size of half a golf ball or something. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Like it's like it's like kind of scary, actually. Like it looks like she's gonna break out in hives. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a real problem right now. I I don't know the exact trap that you're talking about that Danielle's getting, but I know we've tried some stuff like that where it, you know, there's like this spray that emits in it like you know you put it on the table so that you can like you know they don't come bother you now it only has a certain radius that it hits yeah um so i don't know how how far the spray that you guys are getting going I also so have it's one. not a spray right so no, what, what this is it's like a, a you basically create like a mini pond right so you put this chemical within the water and mm -hmm. it's attractive to the mosquitoes. So mosquitoes breed in water yeah. right so they come into the water and they lay their eggs in this little trap 
and the chemicals kill the eggs. And then also it's supposed to be bad for the adult mosquito. So it kills the eggs from okay. them just multiplying and also it's supposed to kill. It's like a roach trap basically in your house, right? Where the roaches come in, they eat something and they go back to their nest and they infect their entire nest. It's supposed to be the same concept. Uh, we only have one right now in our backyard. We need, mm -hmm. we have another one, but we don't have the container for it because you just like have to get your own container. We need to set it up in the front because the front porch is I think where they get in the house. Yeah, mosquitoes suck, man. I, I was also just thinking, like, I wonder if does PETA protect mosquitoes the way they protect other like real animals? No. Okay, good. Mosquitoes, gonna. I was like, are we gonna are we gonna lose some listeners who are like, I can't believe those goddamn anti mosquito mosquito podcasters? But yeah, I can't imagine anyone that's really trying to take the the side of of pro mosquitoes. So I'm with you. Mosquitoes suck. They're always a problem, and they're really bad right now uh, where we live. My vibe check of the week. So, you know, I we talked about in the last episode, I came back from a little vacation down in Puerto Rico. Uh, we were with uh, my girlfriends, uh, a bunch of her friends that are from Puerto Rico. It was really cool getting to like, you know, go to go to the, go to this place I've never been to before, but have locals kind of show you around. Now, my Spanish is esto no bueno. So a lot of them speak English as well. But one of the things that, and I should learn more Spanish. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole blocker thing working on it in therapy. Don't worry about it. It's not, not, not the point of this, but the, the part of it that was really nice is by nature. And obviously we have a podcast, so this should be pretty apparent. I like to be the center of attention. I like to, you know, be the guy that can make, I mean, we, Greg, we grew up in a, a culture, I guess, like a friendship culture where it's like, who can get the biggest laugh? And most mm -hmm. of the times it's whoever shouts the loudest. So everyone's <laughs> shouting over one another. Everyone's vying. Shout for, out, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's vying for who can get the biggest laugh. You know, what's the story that sticks? And so when you factor in that, I work in sales, you know, it's my full-time job I'm talking all the time. We do the podcast and I'm very social. And so I really, I mean, it's just part of my nature. So I do enjoy it, but it's really nice sometimes when you go to an area or you go to, you know, uh, uh, for this case on vacation, where I don't feel the need to do that. And I actually get to just sit back and kind of observe. And and honestly, it, just shutting the fuck up for a little bit. That's that's my vibe check. Because okay. it's actually really nice. It's really nice to sit back. And I could do this more often. I'm sure some people in my life would be like, yeah, you should take this advice. <laughs> not just when you're in, when you're around people who speak a different language, but just in general, you should probably do this more often. And they might not be wrong. But I think for me, I need that barrier of entry to be able to actually let myself just kind of sit back, you know, be observant. And then I think it also refreshes me a little bit for like coming back to the podcast, like, I wasn't even going to be on the last show, but I was like, you know what? I think I got the time and, and I had just, you know, verbally a lot of energy. I was like, all right, I got a lot to say. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what, what do I feel about the Jalen Brown Supermax? And I felt like I had a great show. I felt like I had a great show last time. I'm not going to lie. I felt refreshed. I felt like I came in with, with some good opinions. I had some good stuff to back it up. And so I think sometimes just taking a step back, shutting the fuck up, reflecting, I think it, it has a lot of, a lot of great benefits. That's yeah, I can, think, I can think of more than a few times where you probably need to shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> like I said, I'm sure I'm sure this applies in other scenarios, but by my nature, that's just really difficult for me and not something that I typically do. And so when being forced to do it, you know, like I said, now now I see the benefits to it. So maybe I'll try to add it into other parts of my life. Probably not, but maybe. Yeah, you're definitely, a, between the two of us, you're the more social being. Um, I, I tend to kind of like lay in the cut a little bit more than you, just like in a social environment, which doesn't really make sense because I'm the one who like performs and like is in a band and is like literally <laughs> the center of attention when I'm, when I'm in the band. But yeah, but you know, hanging out with you and hanging out with like Mark McDonough and, um, you know, all the kids from Dorchester that we hung out with growing up, like Colin Dwyer, these guys that are like super, super um, forceful personalities, almost like alpha, like it's like an alpha personality, but they're not alpha, like not alpha energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone's just, as you said, vying for attention, yeah. vying for the biggest laugh. And, um, for it's me, not like we're thought, trying to prove anyone's better than anyone. It's not, no, that, no, no, no. not that type of like alpha mentality, yeah. but it's just, I'm going to get a bigger laugh than you. And I have it right now. And I don't give a shit if you're talking, I'm going to talk over you because my laugh is better than your laugh. 
Yeah, and it's so funny because Charles, my brother, shout out Charles, whenever we would come over when, when Charles and I were roommates for that little bit period of time, like a year he, or so, he yeah. would always be like, dude, your friends, like, they can't come over, dude. They're way too fucking loud. It's just because it's you and Mark. It's mostly yeah. just you and Mark just shouting over each other. And then me and Chris just kind of giggling and waiting for our moment to say our joke. It's like, Chris, it's like a spectrum, right? Chris is the quietest. I'm the next quietest. Then you and then Mark. Like, Mark by far is the loudest, yeah. but you guys are normally the ones that are kind of vying for that that biggest laugh in the crew. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. I, I I can't combat that. I think that's very <laughs> accurate. But that's why it's my vibe check. Every once in a while, it's good to just shut the fuck up. So that's gonna do it for this episode of Green with Envy. As always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure you are following us across all of our social medias. Check us out on YouTube. We're gonna have a lot more reels coming out. We'll have some more videos on Twitter. Uh, so make sure you guys are following us across all of those social media fields. Greg, any final thoughts? And let us know what we got here on the way out. No final thoughts. Uh, Black Sheep Optimist, new release, questions and lies. Peace, everybody. Stressing. We all in this bit, so God, where's the connection?